0: What's up, everyone, and welcome back to episode 9 of the Promptly Written Podcast. Every month, we pick a writing prompt, we write stories, and then we talk about them. My name is Matthew Garrick, and with me as always, Ian Lewis. What's up, Ian? Hey, man. What's going on? Ah, Not much. I'm feeling good today. I'm feeling good today. Yeah? I got vacation yeah, coming up. Like, I had vacation last week. How, how was it? Did you do anything?
1: Uh, just work around the house. That
0: doesn't sound like vacation to me.
1: Yeah. Do you need a little
0: a little relaxing in? A little writing perhaps?
1: I got a little writing in. A little bit. What are you working on now? The next driver book. Ooh, interesting.
0: Yeah. I think I'm still a, a book behind I'm excited on the driver. I'm a terrible person. I'm a terrible person. And actually that's like <laughs> that leads us right into the, the, the first thing we're gonna talk about today. I got a little bit of follow-up here. And it's, it comes in two parts. Like, one, I contradicted the hell out of myself the last episode. And when I was editing, I was like, really? So I'm going to just, I pulled this quote. And um, what I said was, quote, I don't necessarily need to know that when you pull on the rack of the gun, that the bullet's advancing into the chamber. It's just like, motherfuckers, shoot the bullet. I said that. I said that last episode. And now I want to fast forward to my story from last month, Clown Shoes. Where I said, I pulled back on the slide to advance around into the chamber. Like, I did it. I did exactly what I said that I didn't want to do. I was so pissed. I was it's like,
1: funny you say that now, because I, I think I, <laughs> I kind of like unconsciously picked up on that. I, <laughs> but I let it slide for whatever reason. I was editing the episode, and I was like, I'm going to have to call myself
0: out. Otherwise, I'm just a, a like a dick. But then... The Part two is I'm a bit of a liar as well because I told you that I would have From Legend read by the time we recorded this episode. You did say that. (laughs) And I didn't do it. So not only am I a hypocrite, but I'm a liar as well.
1: So there you have it. You should be ashamed of yourself. I should be ashamed of myself. (laughs) It's a short book. It's like, it's almost like a graphic novel length with regard to like... The attention span required for it.
0: Well, you know, we were talking before the episode started. Like, I'm I'm gonna, I'm flying across the country to visit my brother in Portland next week, or actually in a few days. So I'm gonna have a lot of time on a plane. So I should, like, the the key here is should have plenty of time to read this book. My Kindle's gonna be charged up. It's gonna be with me. I'm gonna have it. No excuses. So next time we're talking about the book. Cool. A few days ago. I had a really good idea for something that we could talk about before we got into this month's stories or whatever, and I totally lost it. Like, it's gone. It, it's gone. It it didn't come back. So I was rushing around trying to figure out something to talk about, and uh, I'm in a, a fiction seminar in school right now, and we uh, one of the final assignments is to come up with this uh, annotated bibliography of books that have shaped us as a writer. So... I got to come up with 10 to 12 books. I have to describe, like, I have to summarize the books very briefly. And then I have to just, dis- like, explain why they mean something to me as, like, a writer. So not to put you on the spot or anything, but I know I threw this at you kind of at the last yeah, minute. I, but I
1: couldn't do 10 to 12. That's that's a lot. It, it's a lot. And
0: I'm really, like, I'll you know, I'll I'll briefly go through my list so that you can hear it. But it's just, like, I won't go into all the reasons. But, like, some of them I feel like are kind of a grasp but it's just like 10 to 12 is a lot of books. So here's my list. Jurassic Park by Michael Crichton. A Study in Scarlet by Sir Arthur Conan Doyle. American Gods by Neil Gaiman. Grendel by John Gardner. To Kill a Mockingbird by Harper Lee. Serial by Blake Crouch and Jack Kilborn. It by Stephen King. The Green Mile by Stephen King. The Shining by Stephen King. Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone by J.K. Rowling. Me Talk Pretty One Day by David Sedaris, and The Adventures of Huckleberry Finn by Mark Twain. It's an eclectic list. I thought it was an eclectic list, and I'm actually, I have a bit of, like, ADD, like, or, and, is ADD? It's not ADD.
1: Attention Deficit Disorder?
0: No, no, it's not ADD. What's the one where you're, like, really, uh... Eight?
1: When you're...
0: Like when you, you know have to what? like fucking uh like touch the doorknob three times before you oh, you leave or like, shit like um, that. What the hell's that called?
1: <laughs> I know what you're saying. <laughs> uh, I know what you're talking about. It's um, obsessive compulsive disorder. Obsessive compulsive because I've been I've been accused of being OCD myself. Yes,
0: I have a little bit of OCD, and it's really bugging the shit out of me that there's only eleven here, so I need a twelfth.
1: Dra- Dracula? You mentioned Dracula before.
0: Yeah, Dracula uh, might do it, but that's I don't know. Like I've never. I don't know. I was actually thinking about going back, like, to my childhood here, and I'm not sure if if it counts.
1: It has to count because any answer I would give would probably be books that I read either as a child or early, like, you know, as a teenager. Maybe. Yeah. Um, there's not there's not much that I read today that influences me as a writer. I don't think.
0: So let, I'm gonna hit you with two. One would definitely count, and it's Mister Popper's Penguins. Do you remember, you know, you're familiar with Mr. Popper's Penguins, correct? Heard, yeah, I've heard of it. I've never read okay. it. I read that shit over and over and over and over again when I was a kid, and I feel like it kind of fueled my imagination. But I was also just thinking, would it be permissible to use one of the Calvin and Hobbes collections?
1: I don't know. I mean, I'm a huge Calvin and Hobbes fan, but it's like, that's, that's a different medium. See,
0: I think it's a stretch, but it's writing for sure, and it's mostly dialogue, and that's like...
1: That's kind of what I do. That's true. Do you think? I'll count. I'll count it. Which collection?
0: Who? I'm trying to think of the ones that I had that had the pages like, just curled. Uh, I would say that the ones I probably read the most were "Weirdos from Another Planet" or "Revenge of the Babysat."
1: Yeah, those are good. I liked "Scientific Progress" was boring. Oh fuck! And um, "Attack of the Deranged Killer Monster Snowgoons." Yukon Ho was really good, too. They were all good. They're all fantastic. I went and bought the actual, like, hardcover set. I was just going to ask it you. It weighs, you like, a metric ton. It's it's enormous.
0: But is it awesome?
1: It is. It is. And, and it just reminded me. I haven't read them in such a long time.
0: My son was really um, big into Calvin and Hobbes there for a while. And I think we rebought almost everything. hmm Because I think mine, from when I was a kid, were, like, long gone. I think they were destroyed in, like, some basement flooding or something like that.
1: Yeah, I still have, I have, like, all the originals, and then I bought the the nice ones. Do they still sell the nice ones, or was that, like, a limited thing? I don't know. I don't know.
0: Interesting. Okay, so, you've heard my list. Before we go to anything that you might have to shout out there, is there anything on this
1: list that surprises you or that uh, you're confused by? Um... I wouldn't say confused. I'm surprised you picked Huckleberry Finn. Over Tom Sawyer or just in general? Just in general. I just didn't know
0: you were a fan of Mark Twain. Yeah, I really it it's hard because I feel like Mark Twain's got a lot of flack uh lately because of, you know, some of the um the language sure. that was used or whatever. And I think there was
1: even some schools that don't do it anymore. But I was like, it's just like, it's just like that. It's a, it's sort of a piece of literary history. I mean, it, it's a product of its time. It is what it is.
0: Yeah. And I think I, I picked Huckleberry Finn over Sawyer because Huckleberry Finn was first person. So it was, it was like. It's been so long since I've read them. I don't re- I don't really remember. Yeah. It, it kind of put like a been a long time since i've read huckleberry finn but like i went and read like a brief synopsis and it all started coming back to me and i think it was just like it was the first time i felt like i was the character you know what i mean where you get lost and you feel like you're actually going on the adventure mm-hmm. so i think uh i probably have copy somewhere i'll need a look oh, i'm sure i have it somewhere there was some other stuff i read in high school like i remember liking all quiet on
1: the western front a lot oh i hated that book really but
0: it. I couldn't put that in there. They I spent remember... like
1: two pages talking about how they're taking a dump in the field. You can see why I like the book. <laughs> uh, that and The Jungle by Upton Sinclair. Terrible. Never read that. It was about the meatpacking industry. That doesn't sound exciting at all. No, uh, he was a what they called a muckraker. That has a whole other side story, but we won't get into.
0: All right, let me see. Do Now, let me ask you a question. Were you in advanced English in high school?
1: Uh was that the same as like an AP?
0: Yeah, well I think AP was even fancier.
1: Cuz I consciously decided not to do the AP stuff. Okay. It sounded like more work than it was worth. But I I feel like maybe I was in advanced English, not like okay. the AP thing, because but...
0: cuz you're calling out books that that like I never read The Jungle. Did you read Ordinary Did you read Ordinary People?
1: I think so. It sounds familiar. Okay. Okay. I'm trying to let me going back. Scarlet Letter. Never read it. We were supposed to read The Great Gatsby, but we ran out of time, so they they had us watch the movie instead.
0: (laughs) That's actually on my list of books to read this year. Oh,
1: Night by Ellie Wiesel. Don't know that one. And then uh, I think we had to read Julius Caesar. Once again,
0: didn't read it. Man, I am like literally not that well read. The Martian Chronicles by Ray Bradbury. I've read The Martian Chronicles, I think. So to go back to to like the list thing, are there are there any books that you think really define you as like or shape you?
1: No, no specific books, but I would say that I read a lot of Hardy Boys when I was a kid.
0: Fuck yeah, dude. And the Hardy that, Boys. Yeah,
1: yeah. That that got me into reading probably like chapter books and then um I read a lot of Agatha Christie at some point. Like the murder mystery type stuff. Okay. And then I started to read some of – C.S. Lewis wrote in addition to like like the Lion, the Witch and the Wardrobe stuff. He did like a a science fiction trilogy and I had read that and I think I started to adopt some more uh, stylistically British type habits with my writing because of that early on in the early stuff that I wrote that Mm. um, I think today would probably be looked at as overwriting maybe. Um and those were habits that I, I think I, I dropped pretty quick, but today there's nothing really that I I think influences me as, as a writer as far as books go.
0: Yeah, while you were talking, it got me thinking, like I don't think like it sounds like there was like a bit of a transitionary period though. Oh for, for sure. you where you like you were reading like the the Hardy Boys and then you were moving into like the Agatha Christie or whatever. Like I remember reading like shit like James and the Giant Peach and freaking, like, Ramona and Mr. Popper's Penguins. And then I remember reading Stephen King. It was just like a a switch was flicked. Like, there was no, like, moving fluently into into grown-up books. It was just like, all of a sudden, I'm going to read about fucking, like, homicidal clowns. (laughs) That's interesting. Anyways, I I thought that, that that was kind of fun because I've been thinking about that a lot lately. But now I have to decide if I really want to turn in, as part of like my my graduate degree, like a Calvin and Hobbes collection. I mean, I think there's as long as I explain it, I think it's good. Yeah, I, I think
1: if you yeah if you explain it as you know sort of your love of, of dialogue, then I think it fits. Because I mean that 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 fucking little kid was witty, and the, he was, and the other thing too is there was there I remember there being um, at least a couple, or at least one, maybe maybe a couple different sort of themes in some of the strips where, you know, he, Calvin would be talking about art and how like comics are considered low art. And, and, and there was always the, you know, the the point of view from Bill Watterson that like, you know, what he was trying to do was not like just sort of like a base comic strip. It was like his art kind of a thing. And right. it, you know, it wasn't something that, you know, that should be looked down upon as sort of just your run-of-the-mill newspaper thing. And I'm, I'm totally butchering and paraphrasing sort of his sentiment there, but... So in that respect, I think you're sort of elevating it in that sense, and in a way that would probably jive with with sort of his, um, maybe what he had in mind as far as goals go, I don't know. Yeah,
0: sure. And I mean, I think if I'm going to pick a comic strip, I might as well pick the best.
1: Oh, yeah, hands down.
0: Although, I got to tell you, uh, do you read Pearls Before Swine? I don't think I did If, if it, it, I mean it's still running now he's a good follow on like social media type things I know
1: what you're talking about I think I've, Steve, I think uh, I've Stephan, probably read, read it Stephen Pastis
0: writes it he um, heavily influenced by Calvin and Hobbes and it shows
1: yeah there were a lot of artists who were in. I think after Calvin and Hobbes left of course I don't get a paper anymore but once they left the paper that was around the time that I was like okay I'm, I'm kind of done 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 with the comics now, because it's like there was nothing else that really held my attention.
0: There was actually a period, I think, last year sometime. It was either last year or a year before. I can look it up and try to th- add it to the show notes, where Bill Watterson actually took over Pearls Before Swine for like a week.
1: Oh, that's kind of cool. And he
0: did the whole thing. It was awesome. i got to look that up. If I could find the actual strips, I'll throw them in the show notes. So, now that we've talked about the shit that we've read in the past, you reading anything currently?
1: Well, I just recently finished Arm of the Sphinx, which is book two in the Books of Babel series. I think I mentioned in an earlier episode um, how much I enjoyed the first book, Senlan Ascends. And it's going to be a four-book series, and there's three books out currently. Um, And it's it's just a really good inventive, imaginative... It's sort of billed as fantasy or like a historical fantasy maybe, but... Mm -hmm. Um, so far, there's not like anything that I would say is tropish fantasy. There's not really magic, or um, you know, dragons or stuff like that. It's it's totally totally different. But it, it's it's really well written. Um, like I said, imaginative, very immersive. Uh, I, I'm enjoying the series very much.
0: That's cool. So it's good. It's very good. Yeah. I th- I be- I think this is like a, a throwback to like one of the very first episodes that we recorded because I think I added this to the first book to either my wish list or I may have bought it already. I don't know.
1: I have so many damn books. It's. I mean, it's not a super long book, but it's not short either. But it it, it is very good. The first book, especially, I, I love quite a bit.
0: So did the um did the second book? It kept it going.
1: It did. It's it's a little. Tonally different, like uh the first book was a little more and I won't spoil for the reasons why, but the first book was a little more innocent, maybe. Um, sort of like I'm gonna throw in a music reference here, kinda how the difference between the Weezer Blue album and then Pinkerton. You know, the first album was sort of like uh I wouldn't say cheesy, but sort of like, you know, kinda kinda tongue in cheek, sort of innocent, and then Pinkerton was a little bit more I don't know, a little more grown up maybe. Uh
0: I'm not familiar enough I am just gonna take your word for it because Yeah,
1: I it's it's sort of a weird analogy, but that's just what popped in my head. But it, it's because of the nature of what happens to the characters and the situation that the main character's in, it's it's a little it's a little darker maybe in tone than the first one. Not that it's a dark book. It's 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 you know, it's still pretty what's the word I'm looking for? Not uplifting. uplifting's not the right word. It's not like a downer of a series, I guess. It's not super dark. It's not like reading like Game of Thrones or something. Gotcha.
0: Well, I'll definitely I definitely have to like I have so many books. Like I don't even want to say like I don't even want to commit to reading these books. But like I I did just verify that I purchased the first one, so I'll read it eventually, and then we'll get to book two on this. I just finished a book called Um Kindred by Octavia Butler. It was like um Sounds familiar. Yeah, she is a pretty like well acclaimed science fiction writer. It was about a um a woman. It was about an African American woman who um was she was living in like the seventies or something, and she kept getting called back by a um she kept getting called back by a, a white ancestor of hers at any time that he got back in Charlotte. So it was like a time travel kind of thing. But she was going back into like the antebellum South where it was like slavery. So it was like she was, you know, a black woman from the 70s, the 1970s, going back to like the 1820s or whatever, where she was totally not safe to do as she felt. So like, you know, it was it was an interesting concept, but it ended up just being kind of repetitive for me. And I don't feel like it really went anywhere. Like the characters didn't change, like nothing really happened. Every, it was pretty I don't know it was it was fine. That's my review of of Kindred by Octavia Butler it was it was fine. It was fine
1: yeah okay. so no you know
0: <laughs> I don't know if that sold any books <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but you know that that's where you have it. So let's see we're about you know we're about 20 minutes in so you have one more thing but I think I would like to think on this a little bit more so why don't we save that to uh, to next month? Sure. All right. So I think that takes us to this month's stories. And this month's prompt was each floor is different. That was one of yours, right? Yeah, it was. Yeah. So I'm assuming that you like you, like, hit
1: the ground running because it was your prompt, right? Or no? No, I wasn't <laughs> sure what to do with it. It was just one of those weird. So you get this random just phrases or things that pop into your head and... Sure. sometimes they stick with you, and um, sometimes you have a really good idea for them. In this case, it was just, I need to throw some prompts out there for people to vote on, and that was one of them.
0: Yeah, this one, this one was a bit of a struggle for me. I had like a, a concept like pretty early on, but then when it came to like actually like executing it, it was like bleh, like nothing. So this one was actually a struggle to write. But that being said, I'm pretty pleased with uh what I ended up with, so you know.
1: <laughs> okay. Fair enough. Well, I'm I'm excited about this one. But I'm not gonna tell you the title of it until after I've read it. Because <laughs> I don't wanna give anything away or influence influence you as the listener. <laughs> I'll tell you the title once we're done.
0: Fair enough, but like in the future, do you think that this could be a problem if the title like do you think
1: well, you did this to me once.
0: I did. Well, I mean, there was one where I was just like, I don't got a title.
1: <laughs> well, all right. But I'm pretty sure you, you withheld the title. Yeah, I did. I did. So again,
0: away. here I am contradicting myself once again. I am just like <laughs> on a roll today. That's all right. All right. So title to be revealed.
1: To be revealed. Oh, well, whenever you're ready. All right. Well, let's get into it then. Bill Timmons flicked a half-smoked cigarette into the street. In fact, it was only a quarter smoked. Not even that, actually. He'd taken two drags, hastily pulling the smoke into his lungs before regret set in. He watched it roll, bumping along the tiny imperfections of the pavement before it came to rest against the curb. Before him was an immaculate yard, close shorn and vibrant green, and a two-story colonial whose clean white siding and crisp black shutters were marred by the yellow crime scene tape stretched across the porch. He'd wanted to quit smoking by now. He wanted to be done with the incessant cravings that sent him outdoors at any hour of the day and in any weather. It was his only visible weakness, and he didn't like any chinks in his armor. But the nicotine drew him back in just like the crime scene before him called out for answers. Bill reached into the breast pocket of his jacket and retrieved a tin of mints. He cracked it open and popped one of the tiny sweet tablets into his mouth. Then he proceeded up the once welcoming walk that stretched from the porch steps as if the front door had vomited it out. He nodded at one of the forensics guys who stepped out of the open door before entering into a foyer. Stopping to take in his first impressions, he closed his eyes briefly, letting the empty void of the house fill his ears and nose. There were no noticeable odors, nothing that pervaded his nostrils like some homes. He sniffed twice. Furniture polish? And scented candles? He eyed the foyer, noting the gleaming tiled floor, tidy table that still held a stack of mail, and family photos printed on canvas. Bill had a method for crime scenes like this. He'd start at the top and work his way down. He reasoned the top floor of a house typically held the things that people didn't expect anyone to see. Dirty laundry strewn about a bedroom, a filthy bathroom. It was telling insofar as there was no pretense, but nothing was hidden. He climbed the carpeted stairs, hit a landing, and then turned right to complete his ascent. From there he scoured each room individually. There was a master bedroom that smelled faintly of perfume. The queen-size bed was made up with its comforter tucked beneath the pillows. A matching his-and-her's dresser set stared each other down from opposite sides of the room, no dust on either. Attached was a bathroom with garden tub, shower stall, toilet, and sink. Bill exited the bedroom noting the vacuum lines in the carpet. He briefly scanned two bedrooms that branched off the hallway. The first held simple office furnishings and a bookcase. Bill scanned the book spines, noting the prevalence of art history. A wide desk sat against the wall, uncluttered save for a keyboard and monitor. The second bedroom housed two twin beds, a dresser, and floral paintings on the wall. The closet was empty, as was the dresser drawers. Must be a guest room, he thought, as he moved to the bathroom across from the bedrooms. There he found neatly folded towels hanging on the racks, brightly colored as if they'd never been used and washed repeatedly. He turned to go back downstairs, knowing the first floor was the veneer, the way in which someone wanted to present his or herself, or at the very least, the way someone didn't mind being seen, even if there was some untidiness. Every floor is different, he often told himself. There was a formal dining room, empty save for an antique buffet and a small round table in the corner upon which sat a music box. Bill moved on into the kitchen where the stainless steel sink overflowed with dishes encrusted with dried food. Pots and pans littered the granite counter, and the mahogany kitchen table was buried under greasy pizza boxes and takeout containers. It was the first break in the otherwise orderly pattern. The living room stood in similar disarray: a leather couch whose throw pillows lay on the floor two empty bottles of vodka on the glass coffee table, and window blinds that hung ragged as if someone had yanked at them to break their fall. Bill then rounded the corner to find a half-bath with unflushed toilet and empty pill bottles on the counter, and a door that he assumed led to the basement. The basement was something else entirely. It's where people hid things, whether in plain view or tucked away in boxes. There were memories wrapped in the packing paper of nostalgia, secrets withheld and withdrawn, in the dirty inner workings of the home, the bowels, the place where people don't expect others to wander. Bill opened the door and trudged down the wooden steps. The cool, damp feel of the floor below hit him almost immediately. Gray cinder block lined his field of view until he reached the bottom step. To the right, a utility tub. He stepped closer and saw it was littered with human hair that stuck to the sides and lay in clumps around the drain. In front of him dark red patch of blood splatter on the cement floor identified with an evidence marker as well as it would look to be a piece of human tooth to the left another room he proceeded in that direction wondering where the blood had come from and for that matter the tooth and the hair the small shop he stepped into opened his mind to what horrors had taken place a chair sat in the middle of the room with a pair of handcuffs lying on the seat a bare light bulb hung above on the left a pegboard, old desk, and bookcase were arranged as a makeshift workbench. A leather tool roll on the desk, opened as if the brass tools it contained were in use, and somewhat interrupted their user. Next to the roll was a soldering iron, strands of hair, and human fingernails lined up in neat rows. Bill stepped closer and inspected the nails, the precise, clean curvature of them. They'd been removed whole. His stomach lurched at the grisly thought of removing someone's nails, and his mind ran rampant with the type of individual who do such a thing. The hatred, the sadistic impulse that drove such action, was nearly incomprehensible to him. Still, a picture started to form. One of torture, one of revenge. A punishment of permanent alteration. Bill turned to go. He now had the insight he needed. Combined with the forensics' results, he would begin to build a profile of a killer one thought drove him up the stairs i'll find you the end fucking a man <laughs> the title of the story is nails <laughs> i wanted to i wanted to see how long i could i could take it before you figured it out see
0: here's the thing like i don't think it would have given anything way right off the bat
1: not right off the bat, but once you got into it, maybe.
0: Yeah, maybe. I um, that was kind of dark, Ian.
1: I'm only playing off what you gave me.
0: <laughs> oh man, well done, well done. Well, I have I have some comments, but um, I don't know. I let me ask you this. I was thinking about our our structure a little bit as as I was driving into work today. Do you think it would be worth like uh, talking about the story like right after it's done being read, as opposed to waiting?
1: You know, if you want, that's fine. You want to try that? We'll see what sure. it goes.
0: And if we don't like it, we'll go back to it. That work? That works. Okay. So, what I really liked about this was you were kind of you were really in the mind of like the investigator. Like you're taking everything in in the description while we're getting while we're getting the visual of the house and the rooms and everything we're also kind of getting little little subtle hints like i really like the fact like the detail that you put in like where you said that there were vacuum lines in the carpet like that just like without saying it you're letting us know that like this was recent like somebody inhabited this house and cleaned this house recently like you know what i mean sure so You're giving like all these little clues like like and then it's just like by the time we start we start down to the kitchen and and you start going into your thing about the basement, which I also really liked how you were like it wasn't just constant description. You were you gave us that little piece with like this is where things are hidden. You know what I mean? And you go down there and you're like shit is about to get real. But then again. You also could have had somebody like down there ripping out nails, but the nails were already there. So it's just like this person's on the loose too. So it's like this, this really eerie thing you got
1: going there. Wait a minute. Do you, did you not get the connection here? What do you mean? Oh, you're, holy shit. You're
0: investigating my story. Yes. Your first story. You didn't get that. Can we do, can can we, can, can we do something real quick? What? Can we go back so that I don't sound like a complete fucking moron <laughs> on this goddamn I can't podcast? You didn't get it? Well, because I was well, because I'm sitting there and it's just like what I'm trying to do is sometimes like sometimes when I'm listening t- to to like other people read, like I go into this mode where I'm li- also listening for you to make mistakes in the recording, uh,
1: okay. so I can
0: be like say that again. So it completely went over the my I mean, fucking head.
1: I so, thought the second there was a piece of a human tooth on the the basement floor that that you would have known what was going on. It should have. But I and was And then there I was, was th- the the tool the leather tool roll with you know and then the the fingernails lying neatly up in the chair with the handcuffs like it's all from your story.
0: It is oh my god. Okay, so like I started this podcast today talking about like what a fucking like hypocrite <laughs> and liar I am. And then by the middle of the podcast, I'm a fucking moron. (laughs) (laughs) You've got vacation brain. So, okay, it was there. Like, I was thinking about it, and I was like, this is familiar. Like, this is familiar to me. Like, the leather roll, the nails. It's all right fucking there. But this also means that I... See, this is interesting, because now... Now, Mr. Lewis... We might need to take... My killer out on the road.
1: Yes. And I gave you some things to work with.
0: So I like this.
1: He likes art history. He's he seemed to be a fastidious sort of a guy. But obviously you know, as you start to see his life unravel with the way he took care of the house, you know, things were once neat and normal and now they've kind of devolved. Huh. Look at you. Yeah, I set you up for the next
0: you're feeding the beast. However, yeah,
1: well, it can't be, we're just going to have to find the right prompt to work this back in, though. I can't take full credit for this. A a listener at work suggested this is an idea a couple months back. I was like, yeah, that's a cool idea. Like, if I get a good chance to work it in, I will. And I won't tell Matt about it because it needs to be a surprise.
0: God damn it.
1: (laughs) Well played, Mr. Lewis. Thanks.
0: I feel like such a fucking asshole. (laughs)
1: Well, I figured, you know, you we could have a little cat and mouse game here. No, guys. I like this. I like this, and it doesn't have to be in every episode thing. It just sometimes it'll pop up and it'll well, go away. Well, let me go back. This was this
0: episode one. This was your first story. This was the first story.
1: Did I name the characters? I don't think you did because I, I think went it back and listened E-M-G. to it a couple times. Yeah, you didn't name characters. I tried with the basement specifically the setup. I tried to pay attention to yeah, yeah, and replicate that.
0: God damn it! All if right, you go back and listen to it. Wow, well played. I think we're gonna leave it in. I think we're just gonna leave it in. I think this was good. This was entertainment. That's what we do. We entertain the
1: people. <laughs> All right. God damn it! Well want.
0: done. I'm so like I'm so happy. And so embarrassed right now that I can't even <laughs> I like, thought
1: for sure you would have, you would have, like the second you saw the tooth on the floor, like it would have like clicked like this. This sounds like something. I, I was, I was picking up on it, but it just never fully clicked. Wow, Maybe I should have been more heavy handed about it. I was trying to like tease, tease it out slow. Cause I didn't want you to get it until like the very end.
0: It was perfect. If I, wa- I think if I wasn't listening so close, it would have it, like, I, I have, I, I have no excuse.
1: It was hard for me to get through the last page because I'm I'm anticipating you like starting to figure it out. So I'm like I'm trying to read it straight, and it was it was hard.
0: Well, and it's just like you said the la- nails were lined up, and I said into the microphone. I was like
1: yeah, because I don't know if that's
0: <laughs> I don't know if that's going to make it into the edit while I was reading it. Maybe I should now, but well, I like, think
1: I had to re-record that part anyway. You
0: did, but I could probably still leave the yeah. Like I was like it, <laughs> I. I, I, that's it. I'm I'm embarrassed.
1: Why don't you just read your story?
0: Uh, You know, uh, yeah, but uh, very well done. This is going to be fun. I can't wait to surprise you with the next installment of what is going on here. All right. Before I go into my story, I'm actually really excited about this because we were talking earlier about those books that shaped me as a writer. And one of them was a book called Serial by Blake Crouch and Jack Hilborn.
1: So I read um, the the Wayward Pines trilogy by Blake Crouch.
0: Oh, okay, okay. It's this is actually a novella. I starting adapting it for the screen uh, for one of my classes back in the day, and I think I'm two thirds of the way done with it or whatever. But then I found out that somebody already it was already been optioned for a film, so I kind of that kind of took the wind out of my sails. Uh, that sucks. Yeah. Well, I mean, I still should finish it as a you know a um, an example of my work or whatever. But essentially, the the concept was there's a serial killer who picks up hitchhikers and kills them, right? Mm-hmm. And then there's another serial killer who poses as a hitchhiker and kills the person that picks them up. And then the, the whole concept is, like, what happens when these two meet?
1: Oh, you told me about this.
0: So I don't remember who wrote which part, but, like, one of the authors wrote one part about the one killer, and then the other one wrote the part about the other killer, and they... They didn't read them. They had nothing about them. It's just like you write something about her, you write something about him, right? And then they wrote a chapter three where they just emailed each other back and forth, and they did a hundred word limits back and forth until the third chapter was written. So it's like this really short novella. Before anybody runs out there and tries to grab it, the original novella is kind of hard to find because they added to it, and I think it's part of a collection or whatever. But this is not for like the it's not for like the weak of heart. Like there's some pretty graphic depictions in this book. It's pretty gory and gross and let that be a warning. Like it's um if you have a queasy stomach, I would probably stay away from it. But that's an interesting concept and I think this is going to be fun because we can keep writing back and forth if it if it suits the thing without knowing what the other person's thinking. I All like right. it. I love it. I love it. I'm so happy right now, and I'm still, <laughs> still so embarrassed. But it's fine. Anyways, my story's called The Gift. Here we go. Hey, it looks like they made it a little early. Jack looked up from the room-temperature cup of break room coffee that he had just sat down to enjoy and frowned. He gave his beverage one last look of contempt and downed the bitter liquid in one unsatisfying gulp. He stood and moved over to the doorway between the security booth and the break room. Sure enough, the large security monitor that oversaw the loading dock showed that the bus had indeed arrived early, and a group of new residents was now being unloaded. There were five of them in all, and the majority of them looked hardened and mean, just as one would expect. One at the end of the line, however, was visibly shaking, and Jack could almost hear the rattle of the chains that bound his hands and ankles together. Poor son of a bitch, he muttered as he thumbed through a stack of case files he had pulled down from a bin marked incoming. Which one's our guy again? That'd be Johnson, sir. Alex Johnson. Ah, yes. Jack found the matching file and skimmed over it one last time before adding it back to the stack and returning them where he had found them. Followed in his old man's footsteps, he sighed. Well, once you're finished with him, bring him to me on the bridge. The security officer nodded without taking his eyes off of the monitor. Yes, sir. Jack's heavy footsteps echoed throughout the nearly empty chow hall as he moved across the great metal floor that made up the security bridge that circled the large room from above. He strode to the far end and surveyed the outside grounds from the large window that took up most of the southern-facing wall. This was one of the smaller institutions in the state, and the yard was around the size of three basketball courts with a narrow dirt path bordering their perimeter. It was encased by the main prison building in three two-story cell blocks. Beyond the brick walls, Jack could see the glimmer coming off of the razor wire that was coiled around the top of the outermost gate, the highest of three. His eyes settled on a small set of bleachers in the corner of the yard. That's where it had happened all those years ago. Frank was a shot caller, and he loved to prey on what he referred to as the new fish in the pond. So as soon as Jack had seen him take notice of Ronnie, he knew there was about to be trouble. Ronnie was messing around on the basketball court, concentrating so hard on his free throws that he didn't notice Frank and his cronies until he was already surrounded. He Couldn't quite hear their conversation, but based on Frank's demeanor, Ronnie wasn't saying the right things. He tried to walk away, but that just led to shoving, which led to shouting, which unfortunately for Ronnie had led to uncontrollable sobbing. The circle closed in on him, and Jack saw one of Frank's men pull something from his sock and pass it to Frank. His arm rose high in the air, and it came down upon Ronnie's face with a devastating blow. The circle dispersed as Ronnie's cries went from frightened to downright guttural. He screamed in agony as the guards ran over to try and remove the shiv jutting out of his right eye socket. Jack was jolted back to reality as a loud buzzer alerted him to the arrival of his guest. He faced forward and focused his gaze on the yard as he listened to the pair of feet quickly approach. Alex Johnson, sir. Thanks, Stevens. Give us about 15 minutes. Stevens nudged Alex closer to Jack, but the man hesitated and stood his ground a few feet away from the officer. A long, dulcet tone ran through the room as his handcuffs banged into the safety railing that ran along the bridge. Can we get these cuffs off of him, please? Stevens shot a concerned look Jack's way, but Jack's face was so stone cold that he decided not to question him. Yes, sir, he said as he removed the bracelets from the prisoner's wrists. I'll be down by the door if you need me. He turned and made his way back the way he came. Jack looked Alex up and down, sighing as he watched the young man's teeth chatter. Take it easy, son. Come stand next to me. Alex inched closer to Jack and looked to him for further instruction. Getting no reaction, he followed Jack's gaze out into the yard. How long they give you? Eighteen months, sir. For what? Accessory to armed robbery, sir. Jack shook his head in disapproval. Nah, that won't do at all. Leave off that accessory shit. Someone asks you what you did, you say armed robbery and attempted assault. But I didn't. Jack turned and grabbed Alex by the collar with both hands. Now you listen, and you listen to me good. Accessory makes you sound like you're somebody's bitch. And bitch takes on a whole different meaning behind these walls. So let me ask you something. You want to be a bitch? No, no sir. I didn't think so. Jack gave him a hint of a smile, but only a hint. Just listen to me, and you might actually survive these 18 months. He let go of the collar and straightened the wrinkles that he had made in the inmate's shirt. A loud siren began to wail, culminating in another loud buzzer and the slamming of many doors. Jack checked his watch. Ah, just in time for morning lockup. You'll get to see your new family before they get to see you. Both men watched as prisoners slowly began to make their way out of their cell blocks and into the yard below. Each one seemed to have a destination in mind, and those out early began to watch for their friends, if this was a place where friendships could be made. Let me give you the lay of the land, started Jack. Alex, still lost in thought observing the yard, shook himself out of it and looked to Jack to continue. You're standing in the main building. After today, the only time you'll be here is for Chow perhaps for visitors, if you're lucky enough to get one. Otherwise, you'll be out in the yard or in your block. Alex shuddered, lost in his imagination. There are three wings that make up this institution, in addition to the main. The yard makes up the space between them. Each building has two levels, with the exception of the south wing, which also has a basement. Prisoners are separated based on the crimes they've committed, and inside each wing, each floor is different. Which one will I be in? Jack looked over to Alex. You said armed robbery? He got a nod in response. That should put you in the east wing where we keep most of the lower level crooks. Jack watched as Alex began to focus on the men exiting the building to their left. You'll likely be at the ground level being a first timer. Behave yourself and you'll stay there. Fuck around and you're likely to find yourself upstairs. What what happens upstairs? Alex's eyes widened and Jack thought he may have even seen him tear up. Hold yourself together, man. Jesus. Upstairs is very similar to down, only it gets hot as hell in the summer and cold as ice in the winter. Can't quite seem to get the air handling to work up there. Jack's narrow smile gave Alex the idea that this may have been done by design. He didn't react much, but began to scan the rest of the property. Uh, What about the other buildings? Jack motioned over to his right. The west wing is mostly made up of drug-related charges. It's gotten so crowded in there over the years, we can't keep it structured anymore. Low-level dealers share cells with men who have run multi-billion dollar trafficking schemes. Jack paused. If you ever need something to help take the edge off, that's where you're going to want to start. Alex looked up at Jack who gave him a little wink before returning his gaze to the yard. Straight ahead is the South Wing, home to some of the most violent men who have ever walked this part of the planet. Jack observed as Alex became aware of the neutral zone that naturally formed in the yard about 20 yards off of the south wing. The men that stood near its exterior wall were a cornucopia of hulking, sinister creatures. Though nothing could be heard behind this triple pane bulletproof glass, those who wandered too close seemed to be met with a barrage of insults, and if they knew it was good for them, they got the hell out of Dodge even faster than they got themselves there. Top floor is for the real pieces of shit. Murderers, rapists. Their windows, if they're lucky enough to have a window, offer the best views of the razor-top fences and the vast nothing that spans beyond them. I'll be damned if the heating and cooling don't work there either. The ground floor is for those whose victims walked away unscarred, for the most part, and the rare few that have proven themselves trustworthy with good behavior. Alex watched as a man not much bigger than himself was being harassed over a basketball that had rolled into a very unfortunate spot. What about the basement? Jack grinned. Ah, yes, the basement. Solitary confinement. Or, as they call it around here, the hole. The hole? That's right. Jack turned to face Alex and walked into him slowly, forcing the man to backpedal until he was being pressed into the wall adjacent to the window. That's where your daddy spent a year of his life after he took my cousin's eye from him. His voice lowered to a growl, and the boy cowered in the man's shadow. His hand went to his right hip, and he unsnapped the leather loop which held his gun in place, readying the weapon for use. Jack shoved the meat of his forearm into Alex's throat and pushed up, using just enough pressure to let him know he meant business, but not enough to prevent him from speaking. He pulled his weapon and pressed the muzzle against the prisoner's temple. You listen to me. I want you to look to your left. Tell me if anyone in the yard happens to be watching. Confusion washed over Alex's face. Sir? Do it! Jack rolled his forearm to his right, forcing the man to look outside. No, sir. No one's looking. Jack released a bit of pressure and looked down the corridor where his counterpart stood waiting. Stevens! Hit the music! Stevens took a step forward and performed an about face. Yes, sir. He opened a control panel and mashed an oversized button with the butt of his palm. The sound of the now-familiar buzzer returned and began to pulse throughout the atmosphere. It was soon joined by the wailing of an emergency siren and strobe lights began to flash throughout the main building. Jack looked around with a shit grin on his face before returning his focus to Alex. How about now? Alex surveyed the yard below and found all eyes to be on him and his situation. Yes, sir. It... Seems we've gotten their attention. Jack's grin remained as he added the pressure back to Alex's throat. Good. Now I need you to do exactly as I say. His voice was gruff, but oddly, Alex didn't find it to be all that threatening. When I say when, you're going to push me away. Hard. Which will force me to drop my gun. You'll grab it and put me into a very similar position to what you find yourself in now. He pushed even further into his throat. Do we have an understanding? Alex stared at Jack, his eyes bulged with fear, tears once again beginning to form. He nodded. When? Alex planted his right foot against the wall and shoved Jack away, the sidearm falling to the metal floor with a clang. He lunged for the weapon, just beating Jack's feeble attempt to retrieve it. He grabbed Jack by the throat with his left hand and slammed him into the wall a bit harder than he had intended, before raising the gun to his head. He looked down at the yard and found that a crowd had formed and that most of the men appeared to be cheering. Alex was invigorated by the sudden rush of adrenaline and looked back to Jack for his next move. Now what? The sound of two heavy doors slamming averted Alex's attention and before he knew it, there were three guards approaching him from both his left and his right. The lead man on each side yanked him away from Jack and quickly disarmed him before he could react. The weapon was handed back to Jack, who holstered it as Alex was being cuffed and restrained. Rocks began to ping against the glass windows as prisoners responded to the injustice taking place on the inside. Jack rubbed his throat as he walked up to Alex, ending up almost nose to nose with the young man. Now you're going to spend a night in the hole before joining the general population out there. He gave a sideways glance out at the mob below that was still raining gravel upon the window. Something tells me you'll have their respect. He pushed his nose against Alex's and sneered at him for dramatic effect. I've given you a gift, son. Don't blow it, he said through his teeth. He turned and began to walk away, stopping after a few paces to call back to Alex without turning around. Do yourself a favor and do a bit of kicking and screaming as they carry you out. The crazier they think you are, the better. Jack laughed to himself as a stream of obscenities began to flow out of the once timid man and a struggle ensued. He exited the bridge, hoping that someone had the decency to start a fresh pot of coffee.
1: Nice, I liked it. Thanks. That was uh, like a totally unexpected story out of you. Well, originally
0: it was going to be a prisoner that got shanked. You know, I was going to (laughs) do some shanking. But then uh, for some reason I got this idea to be like a, uh, like a, almost like a good Samaritan
1: kind of thing. And I just rolled with it. Yeah, I liked it. Yeah. Yeah, it worked. Um, I, you know, I had no clue what, so I started to get a hint of what was going on at some point, but Obviously, going into it, I, I had no idea, and being in a prison setting, you know, I wasn't quite sure where you were going to take that. So I, you know, I I don't know if it was going to be like a, for some reason, Shawshank Redemption popped in my head. Um, I think they were doing something on the news the other day about the Mansfield Reformatory, and so that yeah. was just on my on my brain. I think.
0: Yeah, I got a I got a guy that I know, I know from the kids' school. He uh, he's a volunteer out there. He does um ghost hunts.
1: Right, that's what you okay, were saying. Yeah,
0: he just invited me to another one, but it's like eighty dollars a person.
1: Yeah, I, I don't want to do the ghost hunt. I want to go down there and just do, um, do another trailer. Oh yeah, but you haven't read the third driver story, so the prison thing won't make sense to you until you read it.
0: But you know, I think before I read whatever. the third driver, I think I need to go back and read the first two again.
1: Yeah, probably. It's been a minute. But yeah, so um. You've got like this, uh, this this little cast of characters that, um, you know, you're not sure what to expect because you've got somebody who's a criminal, obviously he's in jail, but he's, seems rather timid, right? Right. And, uh, sort of a pushover. And then you've got the guard who you would expect to be, uh, no nonsense and, uh, sort of like kind of unforgiving. Mm Mm-hmm. Um... Turns out to be sort of like you know he kind of has a, a soft spot.
0: Yeah, I I didn't develop him as much as I initially thought I was going to be able to, but I think we might see him again. Really? Yeah, Jack? I don't know because like I'm, I mean I'll just let you know because like I want Jack the the my whole the like the whole idea like from Jack was that he was a former prisoner. Oh. So, and I I was thinking about it as I was actually reading it out loud here. When I went back and did the whole little, like, tiny flashback with, like, Frank and the Shiv and the the eye socket or whatever. Yeah. I said that Jack was watching, but I never really, uh, like, designated, like, in what capacity. Like, so in my head, he was another prisoner watching it happen. Whereas probably everybody else is going to hear it because they don't know. Uh, they're going to think that he was just the guard back then, which is right. fine. But w- like, I don't know. I just um, I th- I think there's an interesting thing that I can probably work with with this guard whose whose main job is to make sure that, you know, everybody's ready to adapt
1: to the uh, the prisoner lifestyle, if you will. So if you got somebody in there who he didn't like, what, what would he what would he do?
0: I don't know. <laughs> we just don't know. Is he going to prepare him in a different way? Maybe. Well, I mean, we would just have to see where it goes. Like I, um... yeah, ori- like the original, the the original way I was going to take this story was something. It was going to be very similar, but it was going to be like Alex was going to take was going to be like the revenge for Jack, for what his father had done. So, like, Alex was going to get, like, brutally murdered. It was going to be awesome. There was going to be blood and gore and just shit everywhere.
1: But, I don't know. Maybe I'm getting soft in my old age. Maybe. <laughs> I mean, after last month, I mean, we needed a break.
0: Well, I mean, yeah, we've, well, I feel like, like, we had some dark stuff, and then we had some not dark stuff, and then, then you know, we got dark again, and. You know, I like to keep people on their toes. Like,
1: you know, never. Well, I'm, never de- know what to I'm definitely on my toes. I'm, not, I'm never, <laughs> I'm never certain what I'm going to get.
0: Although I got to tell you, I'm pretty excited for next month. But it's, I, th- I feel like it's very similar to this month. In, in, by that I mean, I have an idea. I just don't know how I'm going to execute it
1: yet. Would you want to talk about uh what that? With what that prompt is for I, next month? I think
0: we should. So we talked about it last month, and um, we went and we put a poll out there. And the whole idea was to put a, a unique or our own personal spin on a on a classic tale that everybody knows. And we went to the Facebook group, and I put a few options out there. And I was, I put, th- I started the the poll with three options. I, I used Jack and the Beanstalk, Hansel and Gretel, and The Boy Who Cried Wolf and i was i was really hoping that like hansel and gretel was going to pull it out alas it did not so what the people want is they want our unique spin on the boy who cried wolf how do you feel about this
1: i will say i was kind of secretly gunning for jack and the beanstalk i don't know why really but... I, didn't, I don't really have an idea, but I just, for some reason, I thought that would be the easiest one to work with. This This is
0: why this is so interesting, because, like, I was, I actually, ha- I think I had an idea for Jack and the Beast Duck too, I'm not going to lie, but I was really pulling for Hansel and Gretel, because I was like, man, we are going to eat some kids, it's going to be awesome. <laughs> like, <laughs> oh, jeez. <laughs> but, um, like, when I, I looked at the poll yesterday, you know, to kind of prep for today, and I was like, man, I was like the boy who cried wolf, huh? And I was like, what in the hell? Am I going to do with The Boy Who Cried Wolf? And it was like literally in the minutes before we got on the Skype call today, I had an idea. I have no idea how I'm going to pull it off, but but the idea is there. So if it works like any of these other ideas, I'll spend three weeks trying to figure it out until I absolutely have to sit down and write. And then I'll just kind of vomit some words on the page and then go from there.
1: Well, I will be starting tomorrow. I have some <laughs> rough ideas about what I want to do. It'll just just be a challenge to see if I can make it come together the way I want.
0: That, that's kind of what I'm going with because it's just like, I think what makes it super hard, or not, not hard, what makes it super challenging is the whole 2,000 word thing.
1: Well, there's that, but I also didn't want to do like, um, so like you talked about, in the last episode, just as an off-the-cuff example, you do the three little pigs in space. So so you would just take the basic story, but just put it in a different environment, right? Which you could certainly do that. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. But the example that you had from Neil Gaiman, I think, was the interesting twist on it. Where, right. Yeah, it's the same story, but like it's not as if you just put it in a different time period or universe. Like You changed The story a little bit, where it was still recognizable, but it was a different take that made you think different about it. Right, and so that's what I want to do with it. I don't want it to be just, oh, it's the boy who cried wolf, but he's like an air raid officer in World War II or something like. You know what I mean? Right. Although that's kind of interesting. Just kidding. But that would be, you know, that would be to me that would be the cheap way to do it. Yeah, I,
0: I, I'm really like I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do a lot of like. I'm going to do a lot of thinking about how I'm going to pull this off, but I'm, I'm pretty excited about it, but it's, it's kind of, it's daunting right now because it's, I mean, it's literally like, I just had the idea a matter of hours ago. So I'll have you to a month. kind of figure it out. Well, yeah, a month, a week of which I'm on vacation. A week of which you should be reading my book. Oh, I'll be like, I'll be reading your book, but I had like, I w- listen, listen, like, I tried to do this this last month this way and put myself and give myself some sort of like, um, what do you call it? What do you call it when? Uh... Fuck. I'm really struggling with the words today, Ian.
1: The author is struggling with the words. The author is struggling
0: with the words. I um, What
1: do give you call me... it when you're
0: putting something out there so that people hold you to it?
1: Um, like, uh, you want to be held accountable. Yes. Yes. Accountability.
0: Thank you. I put it out there because I was like, I need the accountability. If I say on this podcast and I scream it to the internet that I'm going to read Ian's book, that I have to do it. Otherwise, I'm a liar. And, and then maybe the here internet we are a month listening. later, I'm a liar. Yeah. So I'm doing it again. I'm holding myself accountable. You people all hear me again. I can't be a liar two months. I mean, I guess I could be a liar two months in a row, but I really prefer not to be After the freaking, like, this was like a shit show today. I come out, I call myself a hypocrite. I call myself a liar. I didn't recognize my own story. What the hell's going on?
1: It's a rough episode.
0: It's, (laughs) but you know what? It's honest. Like, this is, this is it. This is real. I could have went back and I faked it and we could have faked it, but we didn't because this is real and we're entertaining the people.
1: Entertaining the people.
0: Yes. So I don't know. I think that about does it for today, right?
1: The only other question, I, I had just had one more question about your story. Oh, yeah, go nuts. I'm always interested in, um, like, inspiration. So, like, what was sort of the, the genesis for the story, like, this prison sequence? Like, where did it come from?
0: Well, so, I, I was sitting there, and I was, like, I'm sitting there, and I was, like, okay, so each floor is different. So, I was, like, oh, boy, like, so I just have to do floors. So, I could, do like, do floors of a house. I could do, like, floors of a hotel. I could do floors of a, like, uh, like a sky rise, like a skyscraper, like a business building. I was like, but those are all kind of the same thing. And then I, for a second there, I was thinking like dance floors where I was like, I don't know, it got weird there for a second where I was like, we're at a disco and then we're in like some like cramped, uh, whatever, that was stupid. I wasn't going to write about a fucking dancer. So. We got rid of that real quick, and then I just started thinking about buildings again. I went to a thesaurus, and I was like, how else can I interpret floor? There's really not too many ways to interpret the word floor. Right. So I'm, like, sitting there, and then all of a sudden just prison popped into my head. And I was like, you know, I was like, we could probably do some fucked up shit in a prison. (laughs) (laughs) So, So then I just started thinking about the prison, and I was like, okay, so, like, we're definitely, you know, they put different people on different floors. You got the whole... Like, my dad was in prison back in the day, so I knew some of the lingo. I went out and on the internet site. I found a bunch of prison slang. It was great. And then, uh, you know, then, honestly, I was ready to be, like, murdering some dude. And then it just kind of evolved as I was writing it. Got it. Yeah, it was just, I was I really struggled with, like, what kind of floor am I going to use? I really wanted to be creative. Like, I thought this, the thesaurus was really going to, like, open my eyes and be like, oh, no shit. Like, duh. But it didn't. It was like there's floor. There's like a floor that you stand on or there's like a floor, like a ceiling and a floor of like like the stock market or whatever. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But I was like, that's boring. I don't know anything about that. I can't write about that. So we went back to the the, the actual floors and then I just figured that the prison was probably the creepiest place I could use. Makes sense. Yeah, I thought about hotel. Like hotel was second on the list. Yeah, I thought about hotels, but well. then there was like the American Horror Story hotel thing. And I was like, yeah, it's kind of a cop out. So eh, that's that's where it came from. OK, just curious. Yeah. So I don't know. I think that about does it, huh? That about does it. All right. So to make as a penance for my crimes, I want all of you fine people to go out. If you haven't read From Legend, read it, review it. And then make come yell at me, make me feel bad for not doing the same. I, I beg of you. Like, shame me, because I deserve it. If you would like to your voice to be heard, and you want some input into the prompts that we write in the future, you should join the Facebook group. You could do that by going to facebook.com slash groups slash pot. We'll put a poll up there, I'm assuming, within a couple of days of this episode, hitting the airwaves, and uh, we'll get started. It'll be like a traditional episode next time where, you know whatever it is it is so if you want to tell us what to write you go and you join the group now listen if you don't want to join the group just go to p written pod on twitter tell us there we're nice there too um there's also a contact page on the website so if you feel like going old school dropping us an email or whatever type prompt in the subject tell us what you want us to write about and we'll go add it to the group we'll add it to the poll we'll get everybody to vote it'll be great ian where should everybody look to find you
1: IanLewisFiction.com
0: uh, I'm at matchigerrick.com or at MattChigaric on Twitter. You can just look at the uh, like the podcast notes to, to get the spelling. It's, it's ridiculous. Episode 10 is going to drop on July 1st and that's when we will be putting our own spin on The Boy Who Cried Wolf. If you like what you hear, please review. Please review. If you like what you hear, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts so we can help get the word out. That's it for today. See you next month.
1: Thanks. Later.